Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did you know, on average, heating your home makes up 82% of your energy bill? Installing a smart thermostat could save you a lot of money and be good for the planet. Honeywell Home have been making the home smarter and more comfortable for over 100 years, and their trusted smart thermostats help you get control wherever you are. And because they work with Google and Alexa, you can simply change the heating with your voice. Installing a smart thermostat doesn't have to be confusing or time-consuming, so why not visit getconnected.honeywellhome.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Pocket podcast sponsored by Honeywell Home by Residio, making the smart home simpler. I might be back from California, but the news certainly isn't. That's right, E3 has been on all week with the industry showcasing the latest games we can expect to be playing not only over the next couple of months, but the next year. Joining me to discuss the big announcements of the show is gaming guru Rick Henderson. And if games isn't your thing, I caught up with Twitter and Square CEO Jack Dorsey during London Technology Week to talk about the future of cash. And later on, Chris joins us to tell us what his top three smartphones are. Should you go Huawei, Samsung, OnePlus, or something else entirely? So, Rick, tell us what caught your eye at E3 this year. In a word, Xbox. Um, Without... PlayStation. PlayStation have, decide, have declined attending E3 this year. So Xbox has pretty much had a clear run at the most amount of attention. And the main thing from Xbox, it had over 60 games that it launched, but the main thing is uh, Project Scarlet, which is next year's big new console release, the replacement for the Xbox One. And so how does, what is, what's new, what's exciting about that? Is it just more of the same? Um, essentially, it's it's... Sounds like a, a, a big high-end gaming PC in a smaller box. And um, we say that every time, obviously. Um, <laughs> it, it, consoles are, uh, are evolutionary, never really revolutionary, but this one just genuinely has some wow factors. The several things that have been told to us so far include 8K video resolutions. Wow. I mean, is- Good luck getting a TV to pay that back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 120 frames per second for gaming. Now, that's big deal for Twitch gamers, as in once you see a shot being being fired, you can actually react faster the more frames that you have per second because you can see it coming towards you. So that is a really, really big deal for gamers. Um, it's going to be incredibly powerful. But the biggest message, I think, and quite impressive from Microsoft, is last time when Xbox One was launched, they actually kept saying what a media machine it is. They're not saying that this time. This time, it's a games machine. It is designed to play games. And do you think they've learned that from the success that PlayStation has had with the PlayStation 4? Because that was all very much about the players. Absolutely. I also think that um, Xbox wanted to get ahead of the game by announcing its console early. Um, We've heard some rumours and some sort of murmurings from the Sony camp about its PlayStation 5, but Xbox has put it right down the middle. It's saying, right, this is what we're doing, and it's coming out Christmas 2020. Right, now that's 18 months away, so what do gamers get to do with Xbox between then and now? 
Well, the biggest other thing from Microsoft coming between uh, up to that point is Project xCloud. We don't know if that will be the final name, but they keep saying the xCloud name. Now, xCloud is a cloud gaming platform, much like Google Stadia, where gamers get to play games on multiple connected devices, their phones, tablets, televisions. They don't necessarily need a console. But where Microsoft's um, platform is different to others is that they have an enormous back catalogue of games that they could provide. They're even talking about 3,500 games potentially being on that platform by launch. Now, it's coming out in October. That would be enormous and would blow everything else out of the water in that respect. Yeah, that certainly sounds like a lot. So that caught your eye from Microsoft, but they're not the only ones at the show. What else, what are games are you really looking forward to playing? Well, the biggest games, um, I think, so far that really caught my eye were Cyberpunk 2077, although I saw that last year. I saw an hour of that being played in front of me last at last year's E3 and was blown away already by then. It's even better this year in the fact that they've signed Keanu Reeves to be a character. Excellent. <laughs> and he was extraordinary during the Xbox press conference when he came on stage. Um, such, char- such charisma, but some very strange body language and wordings that he was using made it much more fun to watch than most gaming press conferences this year. Another big game that I cannot wait to play, although initially I was I was a bit I had a little bit of nerves about it, was Watch Dogs Legion from Ubisoft. Now it's the third Watch Dogs game, and this time the action is set in a near future version of London Town. Um, the basic premise of it is probably the most exciting part in the fact that you actually get to play as literally any of the virtual characters that reside in this massive open world setting. Just take that in for a second. Anybody you meet in the game, you can recruit for your resistance movement to fight against the totalitarian regime that has taken over the UK. Now, that means policemen, grannies, uh, East End thugs, anybody in the game has a backstory. Any, everybody in the game has their own individual voice acting and they all can be recruited. You then get to play their little origin story and then suddenly they're part of your gang. Every single character in the game also has permadeath. So if you actually die in the game with that character, that's it. They're gone. You can't play as them again. So you do have to keep going out and recruiting new people. It's an extraordinary thing. The early reports coming out of E3 are that it is just as good to play as it sounds. My only um, one caveat is that in the trailer that Ubisoft launched during its press conference, the voice acting is such it's almost offensive to English people, <laughs> to us Brits, because it has such bad cod cockney accents. Wow. Well, with that, I think, and that image that you've uh, you've given us there, Rick, uh, there's nothing left for me to say apart from, in the words of Keanu, you've been breathtaking. Still to come, Chris tells us his top three Android smartphones. Let's just say that all of these phones are fantastic. Um, but I'm going to come in now with the, the OnePlus 7 Pro. 
The annual London Tech Week has been happening in the capital this week, and I managed to catch up with Jack Dorsey, CEO of both Twitter and payment company Square, to talk about what inspires him to get out of bed in the morning and whether we're heading towards a truly cashless society. As always with these meetings, it was in an old, dusty, large, echoey room in Westminster. Jack was tired from having flown in from the US that morning, and we have to admit, I'm afraid, that the quality of the recording could have been better. Still, it's not every day you get a Silicon Valley billionaire founder in the room. So without further ado, here's our interview. The first question I have is, where did you, how did you come up with Square in that, in that sense of, you know, where, what's, what was the magic moment, the eureka moment? Yeah, it was purely um, by my co-founder saying that he couldn't accept a credit card. That was it. He was trying to sell a piece of glass art and he couldn't accept a credit card. And he thought there was a, it was an interesting problem. And we decided... Uh, it was interesting enough that we should try it. We should experiment with it. It might only be for him. And in the worst case, we learn a little bit about credit cards and building hardware and whatnot, but it might resonate with other people. And, um, and, and that was it, yeah. What drives you personally? You know, that sense of a lot of people would say, when I said I was coming to, to interview, they said, oh, surely, why does he need to work? He's, you know, he's a successful founder, he's a successful entrepreneur, you know, all this. What, it must be more than money. So what kind of drives you into coming into work each day? Um, <clears throat> seeing people use our services, I mean, it, it's, uh, we went to, um, what's the name of the chocolate place close to the office? The hot chocolate place? Oh, a side doll. Do you know it? On, um, I don't, know. Uh, just Great Titchfield Street, I think, the chocolatiers. That place is amazing. And, and just like seeing places like that using our tool and us making their lives a little bit easier than what they're using before and then they can really focus on their craft which I loved like I had hot chocolate was, um, have you had one yet? I had like the, the chocolate covered chocolate thing yeah, they, yeah. so they'll pour you a glass of hot chocolate and ask if you want hot chocolate on that so they actually pour the hot chocolate on the cup as well it was amazing <laughs> so it's just like experiences like that where um, you get to see uh, you get to see like people using this in very creative ways and uh, Hollywell is another good example of like where you know the, 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 the whole town was re- really turning and in dire straits and uh, it's because you know people were using less and less cash and that meant less and less sales and that meant less opportunity for people to stay in business so very simple things such as accepting a credit card completely changed the, the dynamic. And do you think that's part of... You talked about in the, in the talk we just had about, about solving problems, and you feel that's kind of... It felt that it was kind of core yeah. to, to your, part of your daily life, but also... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what a business you, is. What, what do you think is one of the biggest problems you've had to solve? And, and, and you know, what made you feel excited <laughs> by it? They get solving? bigger and bigger as the years go on. And honestly, I mean, they just get bigger and bigger, so... First big problem we had to solve is like, how do we actually get the credit card data into the phone? How does that work? And uh, and it challenged us. And then we then we decided we're going to charge two point seven five percent. How are we not going to run out of money? Because we're going to lose money for two years, three years at least, in making that one decision. So I mean, it, you you work and then you identify a new problem and a new problem, new problem, new problem and it's just like how do we solve this in the most creative way You talked about um, this idea of working out how to read the magnetic strip which I thought was really fascinating on, on the back of the car yeah. with the transition to contactless and stuff has that been an additional problem that you've 
you know, because now you can't, you don't have that magnetic strip, you just yeah. sort of tap away. Yeah. Has that been another problem that's, that's been fun to solve? Oh yeah, well we had to shift from like just a, a dumb reader with a, you know, a, um, a cassette tape reader inside of it to actually having to build a full circuit and our own custom silicon and chips in order to accept uh, NFC and accept chips um, and pins and figure out how to keep them secure and tamper-proof. And these are all new challenges that, you know, we hired, we hired people to, to, to do. Um, so all these things present new challenges and that, that's what makes it exciting. Now, if you talk to people like Apple and Google, they've obviously got Google Pay and Apple Pay and, and all these certain services, which kind of takes away, it's the next evolution of, of taking away the card altogether. How does Square, who's seemingly, seemingly built the majority for independent traders around this idea of a card, yeah. how do you then still remain relevant and keep within that field? Oh, well, you know, when you do this, um, you, uh, you have the card and then the tap. What, would, what other advice would you give to them about using it? Yeah, I mean, experiment with it. I mean, I think every business is different, and hopefully we've built a solution that scales to every business, but it may not work for you, but you, you won't know unless you experiment with it. And what I would encourage is, like, it, it starts with a reader, but we have this amazing ecosystem of tools that help you see your business and grow your business and stay in business. So... Um, you know, give it give it a chance, and then you know it's very cheap uh, to get started, and uh, we don't have any hidden fees or anything that might catch you or put you in a contract. You can quit anytime. So I think with any business, the more you can enable yourself to experiment with new things, the faster you the faster you will move. And do you think with there's a lot of talk in the UK about five G at the moment, obviously in the US as well. Do you think that will help enable connect people further with with square readers, or is that five G not really a thing that you need that faster connectivity and latency for, uh, for the reader. Faster is always uh, better, but not critical right now. We, we work even in a situation where there's no network. So if all the network goes down, like we, we still function. So we, we, you know, we need to make sure that the seller can always make the sale. And that means that we're resilient and it's reliable. And considering things like, hey, the Wi-Fi might go down, the cell phone network may go down, the power might go out. And the beauty of being on a phone, it has its own battery. And, you know, I can still take a payment. So it's one of those fun things when you're in a bar, certainly in the UK, in a country, and the guy's sort of running around with a, a terminal saying, oh, hang on, let me just hold it up here <laughs> yeah. and try and make it work. Yeah. Um, there was a report out in the UK recently about moving towards a cashless society. And there's concerns of doing that and there's also benefits to that what do you how do you do you think the uk and even the us will become a, a truly cashless society and how fast do you think that will happen? I, I don't think cash will ever go away but i think it will be used significantly less in the future um and the reason why is like payments is, is something that gracefully is designed to gracefully degrade so if all the power goes out or the card is broken or the chip doesn't work um it degrades to the next thing, which might be the card number, and if that doesn't work, it can degrade to cash. So um, there, there's always always an ability to pay, and that's what we should be optimizing for. Um, but, I, you know, it's cash is inconvenient. It can be easily stolen. It can be lost. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, to store it in places, and, you know, it's, it, it circulates. It's, it can be dirty. 
So, um, you know, all these things can be solved by something much more personal on your phone or in your, uh, on a card. So um, we want to optimize for that, but I, I don't think we should be looking to displace completely everything, just to displace the majority behavior. You, you talked earlier about this ideology of, of you started with small independent businesses and you worked your way up and you're hoping to work, you know, grow with those businesses as they get bigger. Mm-hmm. Do you see a time where Square will work the other way, as in you'll sort of find, you know, my babysitter will come around with a Square tablet or, or well, my kids today. will say, right, here's my pocket money, can you, yeah. I've got my Square reader out, can you pay that? Yeah, they do today. We have, like, you know, in the, in the US, we have Girl Scouts using it, lemonade stands. Um, people, at yard sales selling their couch. Um, we have uh, the Cash App, which people use in that regard as well. They're just, you know, um, I'm babysitting and, you know, send me, send me, you know, 20 pounds or whatever it is. So does, that, that works today. I've been covering tech since the dot-com boom back in 2000 and then obviously went bust. And then the sort of latest trend is that continuing to be that the internet is killing <coughs> high street. You know, things are shifting away. We're seeing this in, this in the UK. We're seeing obviously lots of high street chains closing as the UK as the internet becomes dominant. Do you feel that giving the high street back the capability of using a square device that gives them the ability to fight back against the the, the sort of march of online retailers? It just, it just feels like um, if we if we fight on the if there's a fight on to be the to be similar. I think it's a losing battle. But if it's a fight to be more unique and more interesting and more specialized and more warm, then it's winning. So I, I think we have to really reconsider how we think about um, the various businesses on, on High Street. And, you know, I, I, I think all these things have been flowed. So, you know, while we might be obsessed with online commerce today, there is a trend of people appreciating the more specialized, the smaller, the... Uh, warmer uh, places around us, and like the hot um, chocolates at this one. Yeah, no, no matter what moves online, like the pub is not going online. You're still going to show up there, and you're still going to meet your your friends and your partners and your colleagues. And um, there's always a role for the offline. There always will be. So it's just a question of um, you know what new thing, what uniqueness are they bringing to bear? And I, I think as more and more moves digital, that uniqueness is a humanness of it. I suppose from an entrepreneurial point of view, looking at some of the businesses that you've started and successfully run, there is a sense that you've managed to scale up quite quickly. And there were some questions in the audience earlier about how do I, you know, I start from my single mum and pop shop kind of approach and how do I suddenly become big if I want to become big? What advice would you give to those people about how you, how you go from an idea with a friend to starting Square to suddenly being this global entity that is, you know drawing in huge numbers of customers. I guess not thinking about it. Like, because if, if we gold around like being a global entity, we would not be here today. Like, we just looked at what our customers were doing, what the next most critical function was, and just iteration after iteration after iteration, making mistakes, fixing them. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a gradual thing, and we, we, you know, of course we wanted to serve more people, but... Like it has to be done at a in a way that like is recognizing the fundamentals of what we're doing and and then growing from that basis. Like really looking at what's possible with our customer base and, and how we can improve their lives even more. It all starts with the with the customer. And, you know, there's a saying that the customer is always right. I don't believe that. Like we're not blindly uh, following their feedback. 
um, we're looking at and observing patterns. And they're paying us with their attention and, and their money to um, observe these patterns and make informed decisions about giving them something that they may not have known was possible or may not have known was needed. So um, it, it's just developing those insights of, and being obsessed with what your customers are doing and, and treating them with respect and honoring that. And, um, and, and then the, the solutions will flow. You've obviously solved, you like solving problems. You've had a number of businesses. What's the next problem you think needs to be solved? Uh, so many. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I do think we're, we're, we're entering a new world that is, you know, hyper-connected and I, I, I think, you know, there's, you know, a, a lot of evolution that needs to be made around how we think about democracies, for instance. Like at the very high, highest level, I think we're stuck on this concept of what democracy is today and we're not allowing it to evolve. And there are things broken about it. And I think that's where technology can actually help. Um, and, uh, and I would love to see, you know, new models of governance based on what we've learned from the internet and consensus-based um, consensus models. So that, that's what I would be curious about. Health is another big one. And um, yeah, I, I think everything going on with crypto and currency is really around governance, ultimately. Cool. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. If you're looking for a brand new Android smartphone, you're spoiled for choice at the moment, whether it's the Huawei P30, the Samsung Galaxy S10, something from Honor, or even OnePlus, there is plenty on offer. To walk us through the plethora of choices available, I'm joined by Chris Hall, Pogolin's editor, to give us his top three Android smartphone recommendations. These are his best phone choices, if you want to go for Google, available right now. So, Chris, what is in at number three? Well, I'm going to upset your little system there because I don't think it would be fair to talk about the best smartphones without starting with Huawei. Obviously, if you asked me this question a month ago, I would have said without hesitation that the Huawei P30 Pro is one of the best phones on the market. Um, it has excelled itself with its camera performance and the design and the outstanding battery life, and it has proven to to have as much power as any of its rivals. But then there was this fallout between the US and Huawei as part of the ongoing Chinese trade wars. And that means that buying a Huawei phone at the moment brings with it some uncertainty. And the most serious problem that you're looking at here is whether there's going to be support from Google and Android in the future. And that might mean whilst you've got a great phone and it will still have a great camera, you may run into the situation where you're no longer getting Android updates, and that could be a serious problem. So with that caveat out of the way, let's move on to something else. So I'm going to start with a phone that uh, undercuts most of its rivals, and that's the uh, Xiaomi Mi 9. And one of the things that's interesting about this phone is it packs in real core power it has the same hardware as a lot of the other flagship phones out there, but it comes in at a price that's a lot cheaper. You get a great design. It looks great. It feels great. Good battery life. All of that power that I mentioned. And it has a triple camera system on the back that will compete with a lot of the rest of them. 
it's perhaps not the best of all of the camera systems out there, but it will pretty much do everything that everything else will. So you can take a photo and know that you're going to have a good shot at the end of the day. The downside to Xiaomi's device is that they put a lot of their own software into it and they put all this over the top of Android. So you spend some time jumping through hoops, trying to get back to what you want and away from duplicate services and things like that. For many people, having to take a few little measures to get a better experience, when you balance that against the price, it comes out to be a good deal. Okay, so that's the Xiaomi Mi 9. At number two, what's your best option? Who's the runner-up? Well, I'm going to come in now. Let's just say that all of these phones are fantastic. Um, but I'm going to come in now with the, the OnePlus 7 Pro. This this phone has been a big hit. OnePlus has been a big, fit, hit, a big hit with its fans for a long time. There's a real community sense there. And what they have managed to do is come up with a fully firing flagship phone in the 7 Pro that's at a higher level than any of the devices that they have produced before. They have gone to take out the top players with this device. It's a touch cheaper than some of the other flagship phones out there, so it's a little bit cheaper than Samsung. It's it's cheaper than the iPhone, but it still has pretty much everything in its arsenal. Um, and here we have a massive battery and we have a massive display and they have stepped up the resolution, and they've also stepped up the refresh rate on this display, so you'll get smoother graphics and smoother animations and smoother scrolling and stuff like that. And it, it looks and feels fantastic. One of the things that they have done in the process, though, is make the battery bigger. And while that's a good thing from a durability point of view, it means that the device is pretty thick and heavy. Um, it's one of the biggest phones out there that I've used for quite a long time. And you really do feel this if you have some of the other lighter devices in your hand. You might decide that battery life is worth that trade-off. The other thing to say about OnePlus is they're very, very good with their software. Although they customize Android and make a lot of changes to it, they still manage to keep the sort of core, pure feeling around Android. There's not a lot of bloats that you don't want. There's a lot of optimization to make sure that Android runs better than it might do on a Google Pixel, for example. So it's quite an achievement. Who has got the top spot? What is your top recommendation for a smartphone? If you're about to buy one this week, what should you go and buy? I think it is impossible to ignore Samsung. And I think the Samsung Galaxy S10 or the S10 Plus, it's a, it's a fantastic, dependable device. And... One of the interesting things that happens in smartphone launches is that Samsung goes early and then everybody comes along afterwards and people seem to forget about Samsung. But you need to remember that Samsung is the number one player in the smartphone market and everybody is now struggling to sell phones and Huawei were in a position where they might take the number one spot until they ran into their recent problems. But Samsung still sells a lot of phones and that's because they offer a great experience and they have a brand that everybody recognizes, and you can have a Samsung phone that goes on and on and on. And so on, off the back of this dependability, and obviously there have been some hiccups in the past, they have a, they have a device in the, in the S10 that is fantastic. It does everything. The software is the most, uh, it's the most refined version of Android that you'll find. If you're not going for something like the Pixel, which is just exactly as Google intended Android to be, Samsung's version 
is really a step ahead in terms of functionality and the things that it will do. You can spend your entire life digging through and finding these tiny little beautiful features in the software that other manufacturers just don't include. And in many cases, Samsung is doing things that are then adopted by other manufacturers. So some of the core, core parts of Samsung software then get adopted into Android a year or two years later. So I think they really do know what they're doing when it comes to putting a software experience onto, onto their phones. Pair that with a fantastic design. It's much easier to manipulate these devices than it is the OnePlus 7 Pro, for example, because they are a lot slimmer. With that comes a slightly lesser battery life, and that's something that you'll have to accommodate. But for me personally, I find it a lot easier to use Samsung's big phones with one hand than, than I have done using the OnePlus 7 Pro. There's a great camera on the back. The real skill is just the consistency that you get from it. You know, you hold it up, the HDR swings in, it balances out the scene, you press the button and you get a photo that is pretty much immediately usable out of the box. You don't think, oh, that bit messed up or it didn't focus or anything else. It just works every time. And that's been one of the consistent things that we've seen from Samsung for a number of years is it's just it's just really good at doing, doing those basic things and doing them over and over and over again. Other people will say our system is better and we can do this. And yes, it might be that some of the other devices will take a slightly better photo at nighttime. It may be that other people have strength in other areas. But as an all-around package, I think Samsung is is hard to ignore. And there we go. So Chris's recommendation, if you're about to go and buy a smartphone today, is to get a Samsung Galaxy S10, S10 Pro, even an S10 5G, Chris? The 5G is a little bit unknown at the moment. Um, on the 5G front, I have been using the OnePlus 7 Pro 5G. And from what I can tell you about that is there's not a lot of 5G around at the moment, but the experience between the 4G and 5G is is just as good. So if you fancy 5G, you can jump in and get the OnePlus 7 Pro 5G. Samsung's phone is going to be slightly different. They have an additional camera on the back, so that's going to need a lot more work to evaluate exactly what it offers. Well, that's it for this week's show. New episodes of the Pocket Lint Podcast will arrive every Friday with more news, interviews, and buying guides for you to enjoy. And if you have enjoyed the episode, please let all your friends and colleagues know and rate us on a podcast platform you're listening on. Until next Friday, pip pip. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.